Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another Reading Your Scary Stories video. I apologize if I sound a little bit under the weather. Um, leave it to me to catch a cold in the middle of summer. Um, hopefully it doesn't affect my voice too much. I don't think I sound that different, but um, I really love reading your guys' stories and giving a little bit of a little bit of uh, a little bit of my take on it, if you will. I, I think you guys are enjoying it, but um, yeah, I have about fifteen or sixteen stories tonight. We got a bit more than usual, so uh, thank you for that. And um, I may not put my input if I don't really have anything, just because I don't feel like a hundred percent right now. So I don't want to use my voice any more than I have to, but. Uh, if I don't have anything to put, it'll just roll into the next story. If I do, I'll put my input in there. <laughs> Pretty simple. Um, we're just going to jump right into it from there then. This first story is written in from Cat the Scribe. I have one for you. My mother passed away on April 2nd, 2002. The next day I stayed home from work, waiting for my sister to make the eight-hour drive from her house to mine. We lived in a large house that had a big bathroom that opened up onto the master bedroom and also onto the hallway right by the kitchen. It was a nice tile bathroom with high ceilings and both doors were hollow wooden doors made of redwood. I was laying across the top of my bed and looking toward the door to the bathroom which was closed. Both of these doors were hollow. There was a distinct echoing sound made by the hardware when you turned the metal door handles to open the door. Now, sometimes when a draft ballooned to the bathroom from the hallway door, the door to the bedroom would rattle a little bit in its frame, but the handle did not rattle. On this day, I had just finished getting dressed and was resting kind of crossways on the bed, so when the door made that hollow echoing sound, I looked right at it. I saw the handle turn, and the door opened. I sat up and looked for my husband, thinking he had come home to check on me, but no one was there. And no, I had not fallen asleep. I was very calm and relaxed. It did not spook me at all. To this day, I felt it was my mother. I also felt her run with me down our deck a couple of days later, like she was playing with me and enjoying watching the ducks in the creek we live on. I felt her presence so strongly. She was right behind me. My mother died after a battle with lung cancer, and I feel quite sure that she is healthy and happy again on the other side. Thanks a ton for submitting that little experience. Personally, I've never had... Um, anything like that happened with a deceased loved one. I lost my aunt just a couple years ago, but uh, I never really thought or felt that she was still around. You know what I mean? Uh, at her wake, I didn't look at her in the in the coffin. I didn't want to remember her like that. My wife did look, uh, did go and look at her, and she said, "You know, that's not her." So, I personally, I believe. She's just, she's passed on, if you want to put it that way. I'm not necessarily a religious person, but, you know, you believe what you believe, and it doesn't bother me. So, like I said, if your mom is hanging out with you, that's great. At least you know you have somebody looking after you at all times. Um, 
So thanks again for sharing that little experience. Our next one comes from It's Nessie. It was around 7 a.m. Both me, my sister, and my mother woke up as we heard this really loud bang. It sounded like a big vase fell on the floor and shattered, or maybe a pan. Something between those two, I guess. We have cats, but both of them were outside, and we couldn't see or find anything laying on the floor that shouldn't be there. I don't know. We just thought that was hella weird, and I felt like I had to share it. Thanks a ton, Nessie, for sharing that short little uh, experience you had. I have had somewhat similar experiences to that before, not with loud noises. Well, that's not true. I have, but um, I'm working on something that will go in more depth for that experience. But as far as hearing something happen or hearing something that isn't there, uh, when I was a kid, there were numerous times where... Either I was completely home alone, or it was just me and my older brother who stayed in his room pretty much all the time. You know, he was a very closed-off teenager at the time. But I would say, overall, this maybe happened three or four times my entire life. So not that often, but it only happened in this in the uh, house I lived in as a kid. I would be in my room, and I would hear my mom call my name. And I'd be like, what? And I didn't hear an answer, so I'd go in there to see what she needed. And then I'd realize, oh, wait, they left like 20 minutes ago, and she's not here. I don't know. It's 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 strange. I looked into that, and apparently it's called an auditory memory. But it only ever happened to me with my mom's voice and at that house. Uh, as far as what happened with you, your mom, and your sister, I can't really explain that. That's really strange. Um, I know there's this thing called exploding head syndrome where you like wake up to the sound of a loud bang, but if all three of you heard it, I definitely don't think that's what it is. <laughs> um, that is definitely strange, and it may, it reminded me of that experience I had when I was a kid, which is why I included it here so I could share that with you and just let you know you're definitely not alone. Weird things like that happen to a lot of us, even me. But uh, thank you so much, Nessie, for submitting that creepy little story. Our next story is submitted by Carolyn Schroeder. I hope I said your last name right. She starts by saying she suffers from parasomnia. Now, I didn't know what that was exactly, so, to anyone else who doesn't know, a uh, basic definition says a disorder characterized by abnormal or unusual behavior of the nervous system during sleep. So, I think once we get into her story, it'll kind of explain itself. So, let's get right into it. I suffer from parasomnia. Since childhood, I sleepwalk, talk, and more. I also suffer from sleep paralysis and night terrors. My nightmares have been from the bizarre gophers burrowing up through my bed to absolutely terrifying, like a shadow person coming through my bedroom window to kill me. 
For years, I would wake up screaming multiple times a night and would run out of my room screaming each time until I woke up. I did not get a lot of sleep for a long time. Once, I woke up driving my car in my neighborhood and that was the last straw. I went through a sleep study and was diagnosed with parasomnia. Basically, my brain did not go through the proper stages of sleep, which caused all the dreams, walking, talking, and driving. I'm now on medication, which helps, but I still have incredibly vivid dreams, which are unusually upsetting. At least I don't drive the car anymore while I'm sleeping. Wow. Well, thank you, Carolyn, for submitting that, and I'm very happy to hear that you got the correct treatment that you needed, and uh, you didn't wreck your car or run someone over while you were uh, driving. That's that's terrifying. I couldn't imagine. Um, the reason I picked this story is because I can kind of relate when it comes to having very unnerving and upsetting dreams. Uh, when I was around, I would say 14 between 16, I, for some reason, maybe it was just stress. I don't know. Um, or maybe it was just, I was in a bad place at that point in my life. I don't know. I had some pretty wild dreams. One that, uh, I always remember is I woke up in my dream, but I was under a bed and I didn't recognize the floor. Like none of the houses I lived in as a kid had hardwood floors and I was laying under a bed with hardwood floors. So I kind of sit there for a little bit and then I like shuffle my way out from under the bed and I look around the room again. I don't recognize this place at all, but I just go to walk out the room. But as I do, I pick up this bat that has like nails and just terrible things sticking out the end of it. And I go through this house and I kill two or three people and then I leave. But when I turn around, I'm standing in front of my aunt and uncle's house, which was right beside my house in real life and also in the dream. So I just killed three people in a house I didn't recognize. And then I walked over to my house and when I got there, my parents pulled up and in the dream, the only thing that was going through my head was shits. I'm going to be grounded. Yeah, that, and, and that dream has stuck with me for a long, long time because it's just so unsettling and strange to me. I don't know why I had that dream. I don't know what could have brought that up. Um, I've also had dreams where, uh, my friends and I were getting ready to go to the, uh, go to town and, my brother and my two friends got into the car and when they started it, it just exploded and I was just standing there and saw it all happen. For some reason, a few years of my life, most of my dreams had something to do with death or killing or someone dying a tar horrible, horrible death. But I don't know. It's, it's incredibly strange. It's incredibly upsetting. Um, I don't know, but I couldn't imagine going through what you did. I'm glad that you got the help you needed and I hope things only get better from here. So thank you again, Carolyn, for submitting that story. Before we jump into Proud Liberal Dad's submission, I just want to say that this story 
does make mention of taking his own life. If suicide is something that triggers you, or if you just want to skip over this story because of that, you can go to the timestamp right here. Skip to 1624 if you're listening to just the audio. Also, since this topic came up in this video, I will be leaving the number for the National Suicide Prevention uh, down in the description below. I'll try and find as many different numbers as I can for anyone out there who may be struggling. And remember, this world is a little bit better because you're in it. Now, let's jump into Proud Liberal Dad's story. Our next story comes from Proud Liberal Dad. He writes in and says this. I hope you read this, because this is a story that I have only told my dad, but it saved my life. This happened about 20 years ago, right after I moved out of my parents' house. I was 23 and engaged. About four months after moving out and six months before the wedding, I found out she had cheated on me with more than one person, and I was destroyed. I quit the electrical apprenticeship and was forced to work two jobs just to pay rent. Mentally, I was in a very bad place. If I had owned a gun, I would be dead now. But being I did not, I was working to find a way to kill myself with as little pain as possible and decided on sleeping pills. Now, I was just working up the nerve to do it and I picked two days from that day. That night, I had the most vivid dream. A man was in my bedroom. I was not scared of him, even though it felt real as if I was awake. He was wearing an old baseball cap and a 50s-style zip-up jacket, if you know what I mean. He was friendly, and we talked for hours about my future and how important it was that I stay strong. The next day I spoke with my dad, which was something I had not done in months because I didn't want him to worry about me. I told him everything and what this man looked like. My dad was noticeably shaken and told me it sounded like his uncle who died before I was born. You see, my dad's dad died in 1957, and his uncle stepped in to help raise him and his four brothers and sisters. I can't explain it, but whatever happened, I'm glad it did. I have a great daughter. She's my life. I'm divorced because my ex-wife cheated on me with a minister. The fact is stranger than fiction, I guess, but at least now I know I have a reason to live, and I could never leave my daughter. So those thoughts are long gone. Wow. Well, first, I just want to say I'm happy you're still with us, man. Uh, and I'm happy that your daughter has someone to come home to every single day. That's really, really great. Uh, as far as the dream, I don't know. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy to think that, yeah, you know, a, a former relative, someone who's just, just related to you, maybe possibly came to you in a dream or something of that nature. It's, it's a wild thought, but I mean, I, I don't know. Honestly, the story has kind of left me speechless. Um, really, I just want to say, um, uh, I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm glad you seem to be doing much better now. And, um, like I said, man, we're just happy to still have you here. 
uh, thanks so much for sharing that experience. It's uh can't be that easy to talk about. So thanks a ton for sharing that with everyone. Our next story comes from Nikki Weston, who also actually uh, turns out to be a member of the channel. So thank you for the continued support. I'll use this to say if you want to support the channel monthly and get videos a day in advance, go down below and click that little join button. It's a dollar a month and it really helps out. Anyway, thank you, Nikki, for submitting. This is what she says. In my childhood home where I lived until I was eight, then my parents divorced. It was a big house. Dad had a good job, so many rooms, big staircase. It was my mom who remembers these things, apparently. I would refuse to sit with my back to an open door, especially if it was dark as I would talk about a little girl. I hated walking up the stairs if it was dark. It was the 80s, so you had to walk up to turn on the upstairs light. It's England, so it was an old house. My dad had it restored. I would randomly talk about a little girl. Turns out, a family did die there hundreds of years ago, and a little girl did die. I would also randomly talk about a little girl. Turns out, a family did live there hundreds of years ago, and a little girl died. I personally don't remember anything, only being scared of sitting with my back to open doors. It was more involved than that, but I can't remember. Thanks so much, Nikki, for submitting that little snippet of a story there. It's definitely a strange one. Um, as a kid, I was never afraid of sleeping with my back to doors. I actually preferred uh, sleeping towards the wall, like my face facing against the wall, which nine times out of ten, depending on how you have your room set up, your back's going to be towards the door. So that never really bothered me. Um, as far as seeing a little girl or talking about a little girl, when I was young, I had three imaginary friends. I don't know. I don't know how imaginary they were looking back. <laughs> um, one of them was a little girl that I called Chrissy. She was my age. So around four or five had shoulder length, blonde, like ringlet curl hair. And uh, had on a blue dress, like a blue-white plaid dress. I remember that very vividly. And I do wonder sometimes if it was an imaginary friend, something that I just made up. Or if it was, like, was I seeing a ghost or something, you know? Um, I had a lot of experiences back back in that house on that property. So maybe, I don't know. Um... The other two that I saw, or not saw, made up, I guess? I don't know if they were imaginary or not. I'm going to say they are, just to not freak myself out. But the other two were Big John and Little John. (laughs) Real creative. And I remember 
being like physically angry with Big John because he picked on Little John. I remember Big John being uh, dressed up in like like slacks. Big John was maybe my oldest brother's age. So I'd say anywhere between like 7 to 10 years old. And he he was like a kind of a fat kid. He was wearing slacks, like I said, and like some dress shoes and like a wife beater, which is just a tank top for those who don't live in the South. Um, And little John was wearing pretty much the same thing, but he had a white button down that was untucked. But it was wrinkled like it was tucked at one point. So it was like maybe... They just got home from church or something. I, I I don't know. It's weird. It's it's kind of strange to think about nowadays that I remember uh, these details, these little details, and that's why I picked this story because you mentioned the little girl and it reminded me of my uh, quote unquote imaginary friends from when I was a kid. I definitely wonder were they imaginary? You know, I wish I could go back. That house isn't there anymore, but I wish I could go back and just, like, like spend a day in that house again. You know, I kind of miss that place, but I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't go back. <laughs> Maybe Big John, Little John, and Chrissy are sitting there waiting for me to come back and just, like, eat my face off or something. I don't know. What a ghost do? Do they eat people's faces? Probably not. Anyway, thank you a ton, Nikki, for submitting that little experience. Our next story comes from Infant Goose, another member of the channel and longtime subscriber, as a matter of fact. Someone I see in chat all the time when I do live streams and things, so just Infant Goose, shout out to you for uh, the continued support. I really appreciate it. Now, let's jump right into their experience. So this is one of the only creepy things to happen to me in my life thus far, and while it's not too terrifying now, it was definitely scary back then. It takes place in southern New Hampshire. Back in 6th grade, me, my friend Brandon, and his mom's friend's kid Alex, who was in the 3rd or 4th grade at the time, went to go play basketball at my apartment complex's basketball court, which was behind my apartment building. Brandon lived in an apartment building across the street, and Alex was visiting him. So for the layout of the court, and had a tennis court to its left and woods to its right, Behind it is a pretty wide trail that goes to the left and to the right for miles, with woods on either side of the trail which borders the Merrimack River. Me and the other two were playing knockout and around-the-world games of those nature for about 30 to 45 minutes, when all of a sudden we heard a blood-curdling, unholy, demonic scream from somewhere behind the court in the area from that trail. The second the scream stopped, I just yelled, Run! and I booked it back to my apartment, and they ran back to Brandon's. So, for some context to the scream we heard, zero way it was from a human or from a domesticated dog. I don't know if other states have these, but in New Hampshire, we have fisher cats, or fishers, which are cute, medium-sized, fair-looking creatures, but they have quite the temper and a frightening screech. But this did not sound like a fisher cat scream you can find online. 
The trail behind the court is also home to protected bald eagles during the spring, summer, and early fall, but it did not sound like the scream from a bird either. At the time, we just shook it off and started playing NBA 2K once we all got home and didn't put much thought into it. I actually still live in the same apartment complex today, but I have moved to a building to the left of the tennis court. I actually live in the same apartment complex today, but I have moved to a building to the left, so the tennis court is now behind me, and the basketball court was replaced with a dog park, just a fenced-in area with softer ground. All the years I lived here, I played on the trail and basketball court when I was a kid and walked my dogs on it now as an adult, yet that's the only time I ever heard that ungodly wail. I still talk to Brandon and Alex almost daily to this day, and funny enough, that day was actually the first time I ever met Alex in person. We are still perplexed as to what it was, whether that be an animal, a cryptid, or something paranormal. We still don't know. Thanks so much, Infant Ghosts, for the continued support and for submitting your experience. Personally, I have only had, I'd say, one experience with a scream that absolutely terrified the hell out of me. Maybe that's a good thing. Um, I was around 14 or 15, I want to say, and I was in my bedroom way, way late at night, probably around 2 or 2.30 in the morning. And I had my, uh, what was it? I think I had a window unit AC in my room because it was just ungruelingly hot, which it always is in North Carolina when it's summertime. But uh, I had that off and I had slid the little thing, you know, you if you use the window unit AC, you know what I'm talking about. But they have like these little things that stretch out from the side to fill in the the empty space of the window. So I had pushed that in. Because I was smoking a cigarette. Yes, I was 15 and smoking. I don't want to talk about it. Whatever. Um, But as I was, I was just sitting there, chilling, probably watching something on television, like Adult Swim or something. And I just heard this incredibly loud, what I can only describe as the sound of someone being murdered, specifically a woman. Now, looking back, it was maybe a coyote. I've heard coyotes sound like women screaming or children screaming or something. But at the time, I just like almost shit myself. I actually almost filled my undies with the brownness. And I just, I threw the cigarette out the window and I shut it and I went to bed because I was not dealing with whatever the hell was going on. Now, I don't know what you said it wasn't, a fisher cat. I've never heard of those in my entire life, so that might just be a New Hampshire thing, or at least like where the New Hampshire and places surrounding New Hampshire, never heard of them, don't know what they sound like. I might put a clip in for reference, Um, but that scream that I heard all those years ago is the only thing that I can uh, relate to your story, and... um. I kind of agree I would have done the same thing that you did. I 
pretty much did. <laughs> um, I just said, yeah, screw this. I'm done. I'm going to bed. Whereas you were like, okay, let's get the hell out of here. Because screams are such a, such a guttural reaction to whatever is happening. You know, when you hear a scream, not one of like adrenaline, like you're on a roller coaster or one of somebody getting spooked, but something really bad happening or something that doesn't sound like it should be like, I don't know. It's terrifying. So I think you did the right thing. (laughs) I don't think investigating it would have been a good idea, but, um, Thanks so much for uh, submitting that story, and thank you for the continued support. I really appreciate it. Let's go ahead and jump into the next one. Our next story comes from Jew Sousa. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Not 100% sure. But they write in and say this. I was around 10 years old and really getting into the horror creepypasta scene that was getting popular online around that time. So I think the dumb stuff I was reading must have gotten to me more than I was willing to admit. One night I was trying to get up but just couldn't move my body or open my eyes even though I was fully conscient. I hadn't heard of sleep paralysis at the time, so I had no idea what was happening to me, and while the immobility was bad enough, I remember a deep voice start whispering horrible shit right into my ear and felt a hand wiping the tears I felt rolling down my face. I remember I kept praying in my mind for it to stop and telling the presence to go away while the voice kept repeating threats. Maybe it's the hindsight, but the whole ordeal felt like it went on for ages. The funny thing is, is that none of my experience with this have been anything remotely like this. The most significant physical auditory hallucination I've had since was of a cat meowing and walking all over me, even though I never owned a cat. Thank you for yet another great video. They tend to keep me company while I work on school assignments. That has to be one of the most terrifying experiences I've ever read about sleep paralysis. Um, the few experiences I've had with it have never been physical, aside from um, the one where my ankle was grabbed, but uh, I'll get into more detail into that on that secret project I'm working on. Um, as far as the cat thing, I actually had that same type of experience when I was a kid. Um, I didn't hear the meowing, but... Uh, I felt a cat jump up onto my bed, crawl over my legs, and then jump off the foot of my bed to where my closet would have been. Now, of course, since we had a cat, I assumed that's what it was. So when the paralysis episode kind of faded, I like woke up and looked to the foot of my bed, and the cat wasn't there. So I don't know what the hell climbed over my legs that day, but it wasn't the cat. Definitely a fucking weird one. Thank you to um, Jew. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But uh, thank you for submitting that absolutely horrible experience. I hope you never have to go through that again. And I'm glad that I can keep you company while you work on school assignments. Thanks again for submitting. All 
Our next story is submitted by Ellie. I tend to think of stories like these with the mind of a skeptic, but my mom has always been crazy superstitious. Things like always throwing salt over her shoulder if someone spills it on the table, or giving old wives' tales remedies like handing me her wedding ring one time when I told her my eye felt weird, and she determined it was a sty. I'd never heard of one at that point. Telling me to rub it on my eye because it was gold or threatening me and my little sister within an inch of our lives if we ever began opening umbrella before walking outside. The worst was always getting in the car after school, because she would always ask how I thought I did on the test, if she knew I had to take one that day, only no matter if I said I did well or poorly, the response from her was always the same. Whatever I said, I jinxed myself. Thought I did well, my hubris was going to thought I did well, my hubris was going to mean that I would have done poorly. Thought I did poorly? It was the karmic version of self-fulfilling prophecy, and because I thought I did badly, then I did. Honestly, that doesn't really have to do with the story, but it kind of tells you why I might have been superstitious as well, following the situation, because I normally could keep my cynicism and just brush it off like the rest of these stories, but not in this one. It was over a vacation from college, when I was an undergrad and everyone was back home, and my friends and I tended to spend the evenings at the den of a particular friend's mom's house, and it was nicer since she was a pediatrician, but also because her second husband was the mayor of another town and estate and was rarely home. Not that we were going to do anything risque. It was normally just hook up the Wii or watch something nerdy like Flight of the Concords or Spaced. But he also had a younger sister who was not like us at the time and kept throwing wild parties despite still being in high school. One night he tried to, I don't want to say comfort her about it, but more like just suggest caution. Basically, hey, maybe don't throw these parties in mom's house. You could get her into a lot of trouble. She got confrontational about it and said the same things like, it's not a big deal, we didn't do anything wrong, stop being a narc. And then he walked into the downstairs bathroom, picked up the trash can, and was like, well, this empty bottle of Jack here says otherwise, and maybe at least don't leave it where mom can find it. Fast forward for about two days. The entire lot were out of town for a re-election event for his stepdad when he called me about getting dinner, but I was like, I thought you would be out of town. And then he said the most shocking, surreal thing I've ever heard. Yeah, about that. Remember how I had that talk with my sister the other night? Well, she didn't listen and threw a party and a kid fucking died in the basement. For context, the kid was a 17-year-old who was described as a walking medicine cabinet who never let anyone make his drinks because he always had a flask. No one knows how he ended up there. I'd been at that house hundreds of times and I don't think I could have told you how to get to the basement. But once there... He passed out and asphyxiated. And now it's probably pretty obvious that I'm going to tell a story about the weirdness of this, but again, I tend to be a skeptic about these things, except for one time. We must have been really bored one night, but in this den that we had always fought with his sister over using, which was obviously hours after that point, there was a cabinet where his mom had kept all of the VHS tapes they must have ever owned. No DVDs or games or anything else. Only VHS with one player attached to the TV. We must have gone through them all. 
especially the ones that must have been used to record Saturday morning cartoons back when that was a thing. We had a blast trying to spot what all the degraded, staticky shows were. I still claim victory for knowing that Camp Candy, an old cartoon vehicle for the late comedian John Candy, was a thing that I could still identify. But as the night went on, we decided to just put in a movie that we could identify, and the final decision was Brave Little Toaster. As we began to put it in, I think we got distracted by something like pizza or getting drinks from the kitchen, and when the tape was rerouted and ready, we didn't end up in front of it right away. But when we were, the tape was nowhere. There had to be less than five or six... There had to be less than five or six of us. No one went past the kitchen or restroom, no one went outside, no one went upstairs or down. The den was not a big room. The cabinet of movies was packed in, but it wasn't too big. We spent hours looking for that video. No one ever found it. Once his mother retired, she sold the house, but that was still a few years away. We made it a goal to look for that thing whenever we were back in the house, right up until the day they sold it, and there was no trace. It's not a terrifying story. Maybe it's not even that creepy, unless you were one of us who knew something about the overdose. It didn't really come in conversation if new friends were hanging out there. But it's the one time where I can say that I truly had no explanation whatsoever for what happened. It was just gone. Not moved around, and not even reappearing in the basement or something cliche like that. But it still nags at me whenever I think about how it just wasn't there. Yeah, I wouldn't say that is a terrifying story, but it's definitely very, very strange. Personally, I've never had an experience where I put something somewhere, like, with a purpose. Like, let's say you put a VHS into a VCR, and then 20 minutes later, it's just gone. <laughs> Nothing like that has ever happened to me. I've misplaced things, sure. You know, I, I lost my uh, car key for, like, a good hour and a half one day, but... Never have I put something somewhere for a purpose and then not had that thing show up later when I came back to fulfill that purpose. Like, using your story as an example, I put a VHS into a VCR, I come back and it's not there. It's it's weird. I thought maybe for a second, maybe one of your friends had snuck it out when nobody was looking and just hid it, but... I feel like if you if you all made it made it a point to look for this thing um, on a regular basis, eventually you either would have found it or the friend would have like I don't know fessed up to it. Because what's the point, you know? Maybe they just really liked the Brave Little Toaster. I don't know. It is a great movie, but I don't know if it's worth like stealing out of somebody's somebody's house or whatever. I don't know, that's a weird one. If anyone else has ever had an experience like that, be sure to let me know down below, because I've never have, and I'd love to hear more experiences like that. I think that's definitely interesting. But um, thanks a ton for submitting your experience. Our next story comes from... Whoa, that's a nice meme. Back in the 90s, I worked for a water fire restoration company in Texas. 
We would go to houses around the area and clean up water or fire damage, pack the house up if the house needed to be fixed, and occasionally we would do crime scene cleanups, etc. One hot July night, this will be important later, the lady I worked with, her name was Cindy, and I had to drive to this tiny little town in New Mexico about three hours away and pack up a few things and bring them back to our shop. We left at about 1 o'clock that afternoon and got there around 3.30 or 4. Did our thing and went back at about 7 o'clock that evening. We loaded up everything and started heading back towards our shop. As we're driving back along the back roads that weren't very populated, I think we probably saw two cars on the way there. And for anyone familiar with Texas, you know how back roads are. We hit a patch of fog. A very, very dense patch. Cindy was driving and I was trying to find a radio station. Cindy had slowed down a little because we could barely see anything at all. Suddenly, I found a radio station. Only thing is, it was playing Christmas music. Strange, we thought, but maybe it was some Christmas in July type of thing. At this point, we both noticed how cold it had gotten in the van. Cindy actually ended up turning on the heat because the windows were fogging up, and we'd been driving with the windows down, and it started to get cold, so we rolled them up. I was continuing to try and find a radio station. Found another. More Christmas music. At this point, we were getting a little freaked out. Cindy told me to turn off the radio, and truthfully, I didn't want to know if I'd find any more Christmas music. I sat back and decided to try and nap the rest of the way. I must have dozed off because I woke up to Cindy calling my name. I looked over at her, and her eyes were wide as saucers. Outside the windshield, in this pea soup fog, we could see three lights in the sky. They were super bright and seemed to be floating. We watched them in the sky for at least five minutes, and suddenly they disappeared. We couldn't see where they went, they just disappeared. All of a sudden, the van lurched and the fog lifted and it got very hot again. The rest of the ride back was completely normal. When we'd got back to the shop, we'd gone to clock out and the clock said 6 a.m. Somehow in that fog, we lost 11 hours. We should have arrived back at 10 p.m.-ish, but instead we lost almost half a night in that fog. I can't explain it, and Cindy can't explain it, but we promised each other never to say anything to anyone. When my boss asked why we clocked out so late, we just acted like the clock must have been messed up. It was a common occurrence. So that's my crazy story. Lost time is one that I've always kind of struggled with because I've never been able to wrap my head around what could have possibly happened, you know? Because, like, you said you possibly dozed off, which is fine, you know? That would explain maybe 20, 30 minutes, you know? But your friend was driving. I, I, I firmly believe she would have known if she drove... What was it, 11 hours that you lost? Yeah. You don't just drive 11 hours straight. I mean, maybe you do if you're going on vacation or something, but not just because, especially in a thick-ass thing of fog. See, I don't know, man. That's so strange. And then the lights that you guys said you saw, you know, obviously you jumped to UFO, but I don't think there was no mention of, like, abduction or anything of that nature so 
I don't know. That's a really, really weird one. I, I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around the whole lost time thing. Um, luckily I've never had an experience like that and I hope I never do because I don't know if I'd be able to comprehend it. You know, I don't know if I'd be able to just go on and forget about it. <laughs> that's, that's definitely a weird one. Um, thanks so much for, for sharing that. Our next one was sent in by Cosmic Koala. They say, When I was younger, me, my dad, and my brother would go to a nearby park all the time to play. On one particular day, me and my brother were playing at this two-story playhouse. Out of nowhere, we noticed this kid just standing there, looking at us. We asked if he wanted to play, but he didn't utter a word. So as we're playing, he just keeps staring at us from outside the playhouse. At the time, I didn't let it bother me. And so I went upstairs and noticed the kid was still looking at me, standing in the same spot. I started getting a little freaked out because I had no idea what this kid was doing. I tried to take my mind off it and continue to explore the playhouse. All was going well until I reached out the playhouse window, and from a tube no larger than a tennis ball, a hand grabs my arm and I struggle to get free. I end up screaming for my dad and brother and ran out of the playhouse. For some context, the park we used to go to in my hometown was known to be haunted, so I'm not sure if that was a kid, a ghost, or what. That is... Spooky koala, so spooky, man. I, ew. I don't know. The idea of ghost children freaks me the hell out. I hate that idea because, like, children in general make me anxious. I hate being around children. I don't want kids. Um, they just make me anxious. So even. If I was a kid myself and I saw another kid staring at me but not moving, I would be freaking the hell out. I probably would have left, honestly. I mean, it could have been just a regular kid being super weird. I mean, I knew some weird kids when I was growing up. I knew some weird dudes in high school as well who would do shit like this, but... I don't know. I feel like if you were, you know, like in the playhouse, like you said, or whatever, and he was off somewhere, I feel like maybe you would have heard him run up into the tube where he grabbed your hand or something of that nature. But I don't know. That's a weird one. Um, I, I Obviously, I don't want to jump to the conclusion that it was a ghost. My best guess is that it was a kid and maybe... You don't remember hearing him run up there or something like that. I'm not 100% sure, but that would be my best guess. Either way, thanks a ton for submitting that story. It's definitely, definitely strange.
When I was seven or eight, a strange woman would call our home to speak with my mom. And despite my mom not knowing who she was, the woman would act like she was an old family friend who knew everything about us, asking detailed, knowledgeable questions about my 12 to 13 year old sister and me, getting all the details right, besides, conspicuously, our names. Then, one night, while my dad, a police officer, was at work, she called. And while my mom was on the phone with her, she asked if her doors were locked. Then, we heard someone rattling the front doorknob, try a window, walk around the house, open the gate to the backyard, then try sliding a glass patio door, covered by a curtain, thankfully. It sounded like there might have been more than one person. The woman kept talking, seemingly taunting my mom about what was happening, despite this being in the late 80s before mobile phones. Mom was unable to call the police at first because the lady was holding the line, but eventually, somehow, she was able to, and they and my dad arrived, and no sign of anyone was found. I don't think the strange old lady called again. That has got to be one of the creepiest ones that we've heard tonight, personally. I believe, anyway. Um, it really sounds like maybe... Uh, I want to say it's just a really bad prank. You know, someone around you maybe knew, you know, a lot about you guys and your family, and... Maybe they knew a family, maybe they knew a friend who lived by you who were like, hey, this would be really funny if you called them and did this and all that. Knowing at the end of the day, they weren't going to do anything to actually hurt anyone. But at the same time, that seems completely and totally implausible. (laughs) You know, Uh, that just doesn't make any sense to me. I know the 80s, like you said, they were different, but I don't think they were that wild. I don't think anyone would terrorize someone for the sake of of like just the sake of a joke, especially to this extent. Um the other explanation I don't know. The only thing I could think is someone was like stalking or uh casing your house at the time. That's the only other thing I could possibly think of which makes it even more terrifying to think of. Because that means someone was actually trying to get in that night that you heard the rattle at the door and the window and the patio door. Um, so that would lead me to believe that someone who lived by you knew, you know, who was going to be in the house and when. And maybe they just picked up on certain things about you and your sister. I don't know. It's very, very strange. Um... I'd like to, if you're watching, I'd like for you to explain a little bit more about, like, what exactly they asked, if you remembered, because you said detailed and knowledgeable, but how detailed, how knowledgeable, you know. Um, I'd like to hear more about this story. If you're listening, be sure to share it in the comments section below, and maybe we'll do a little follow-up story. So, thanks again, Staffit, for submitting that terrifying little experience.
Our next one comes from Bunny Rabbit. They write in and say, At my father-in-law's house, he has coffee cups hanging on hooks. I was at his house one day, and one of the mugs just started swinging by itself. It swung for about 30 seconds. I was not near it, and a draft could not have moved it. I took the cup and moved it so that it would swing, and it swung two times and stopped. I tried my best to recreate how it was swinging, and I couldn't. I told him about it, and he just said that weird shit happens. It freaked me the hell out. I actually have a story that kind of relates to this. Two stories, actually. Um, one is from my mom, I believe. She told me told me the story a long time ago. I'm not sure where she was, what she was doing, but she was visiting uh, a family friend, maybe one of my aunt's friends. I'm not 100% sure. Anyway, she was visiting at their house, and she said that there was a candy dish on the table, And when she reached in to grab some candy, there was like an ashtray, like a glass ashtray or something sitting on the fireplace mantle, and it just flew off and hit the ground. Like, that's not normal. (laughs) Um, As far as what happened to me, uh, it was like two-ish in the morning, and I was coming in from being outside, don't ask. Uh, This was back when I was around 13 or 14. And I was coming back into my house around 2 in the morning and a mason jar just flung itself out of the cabinet into a mixing bowl that was in the dish strainer uh, in my kitchen at the time. Now, I was pretty sure the cabinet was closed because... I don't, we never left cabinets open. We were all pretty, like, pretty good about closing cabinets and stuff at my house. So the cabinet would have had to open and then the, the mason jar would have had to have fallen, like fallen out. And if the mason jar was just placed weird and it fell and hit the door and then fell out, that would have made sense. But I didn't hear the mason jar hit the door and then fall. I just heard the mason jar hit the mixing bowl, which was a pretty good distance away from the cabinet in the first place. It would have had to had some serious force behind it to make the gap. It was like at least a foot, I believe, of counter space before you got to the sink from uh, that cabinet's door specifically. So, yeah, that's definitely weird. Um, As far as the cup hanging, maybe it wasn't a draft, maybe... Uh, depending on where you live, it could have been like a small earthquake or something. And maybe, uh, you know, it was like an aftershock, possibly. Maybe small enough to you for you to not feel it. I don't know. Maybe the house settled and it like vibrated the studs in the wall. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of something that, you know, would explain such a small occurrence like that. But um, anyway. Thanks for submitting that creepy little story.
Our next story comes from Nix. They write in and say, When I was about 13, my parents had moved us to this little cul-de-sac neighborhood. You know the kind. Cookie-cutter houses, woods in the back, big yards, and a tree or two in the front. My bedroom was at the end of a hallway, and my parents' bedroom was kitty-corner to mine. My brother's was halfway down the hall. Just a quick mental sketch of that. I started seeing this shadowy figure at night, a man walking through my room. It was like a 3D shadow, only darker than the rest of the shadows in the room. At first, it was terrifying. Sometimes he'd walk through the room like it was a busy sidewalk, and he'd just go through the wall opposite. Sometimes, and these were the creepier moments, he'd just be, like, sitting. There was no chair, so it's weird to explain, in the corner or against the wall, and it was like he was staring at me, and even though I couldn't see his face, I remember getting the impression that he would look down occasionally and move like he was taking notes or drawing. The scariest thing was the night I was having a really scary dream. I don't remember the dream, but I remember waking up and feeling like something was... The description is hard to word and doesn't do it justice, but it was like something was reaching inside me and shaking me to the core. I opened my eyes to see the shadow man's shadowly faceless face, basically a few inches from mine, bent over me. I shrieked and did a weird scrabble back, and we went backwards as well. I bolted from the room. I slept in my parents' bed that night. I told my mom about it, didn't want to sleep in my room, etc. We'd had various weird stuff happen since I was little, but my mom still kept writing it off as teenage imagination. I gradually got less scared of him. My mom casually referred to him as a shadow man and would listen to me tell her about him. I didn't realize she was just going along with it and her blase attitude helped take away from some of the terror. My mom went on letting me tell her about what was happening and basically just pretending to believe me until one night her best friend stayed over. She slept in my room and I took the couch in the living room. She woke my mom that night and my mom said she was as white as the sheets and had this big-eyed look on her face and made my mom shake off the remnants of sleep instantly in fear. She told my mom, Look, I don't want to say anything in front of the kids, but there's something in her room, and went on to describe exactly what I'd been telling my mom about all along. She'd apparently seen him by the door and was actually so scared she ran right through him to leave. More balls than I ever had. My mom had a lot more questions for me after that. She finally explained when I got curious about why she was so suddenly interested. I was pissed that she had just been patronizing me all this time, but I was gratified that finally someone else had seen him. I got used to him, and he was there periodically until I moved out years later. I'm not going to lie, Nix, I actually got chills reading that. That's like one of my biggest fears is seeing a shadow figure thing that I can't explain. Um, reading it for the first time when I was looking for stories for this video, of course, my initial thought, of course, was like sleep paralysis or just an extremely vivid dream, a reoccurring dream at that. But... When you said that your mom's friend came over and saw the same thing that you were seeing, it 
kind of made everything worse, in my opinion. As in, uh, it freaked me the hell out, honestly. Um, I try to approach every story I, I, I talk about here with a rational mind, but I don't know. If... I just I just can't think of what it could have been if it wasn't a ghost or a shadow person or whatever. So let's just entertain that theory. If it was a ghost, it sounds like it doesn't want to hurt anyone or anything like that. You know, it never, except for that one time you said it literally grabbed you and like screamed at your face, basically. Is that what it was? Yeah. That's the only thing that kind of freaked me the hell out, really. Well, him being there freaked me the hell out as well, but the fact that it was physical freaks me out even more. Because, again, my initial thought was, okay, if it is some kind of ghost, it sounds like a residual energy, you know, something that just kind of lives on repeat. But, I don't know, that's so, so strange. Um, I've only had one experience like that. But I'm not going to say it here. I'm saving it for my secret project. But I don't know. Um, I'm kind of glad that you moved out because maybe that was something living in that house. And maybe now you've just kind of escaped it, you know, by accident. Uh, Who knows? Anyway, uh, thanks so much, Nix, for submitting that absolutely spine-tingling story. Our final story for the night comes from The Day of Lion. They write in and say this. This happened to me and my girlfriend in China. We were coming back from city center and China is so big it takes many metro rides and a bus ride to get back to our apartment. We're halfway through our metro ride when a guy with a large blue laundry bag gets on and keeps staring at us. Now, it's normal to be stared at in China being a foreigner, but this wasn't the usual stare. It was an angry and hateful stare. I noticed it first, but my girlfriend walked around with her eyes closed a lot of the time, so she didn't notice anything. He was only less than 10 feet away from us and was hugging this bag, and it seemed he hugged it harder and harder as the journey went on. My adrenaline was beginning to pump, and I really thought at any moment this man was going to lunge at us. Thankfully, our stop came, and we got up to switch metros. It was so crowded on the platform that in those few minutes, I completely forgot about the laundry bag guy, and to my horror, I noticed after we got into a new metro that he'd followed us onto the connecting metro train. This now really put me on edge, and I sent a message to my girlfriend to not look up at him, but I think we're being followed. She didn't think so, as it's a popular connection, but she then noticed him staring at us and started to get nervous. I'm not sure telling her was the correct thing to do, but I didn't want her oblivious to the situation. We had one last connection that that took us to the bus station, and yep, you guessed it, he followed us again. This train wasn't packed, and we got seats, and so did this man. He was acting strange, standing up and down, and he continued to stare at us. 
I know some people at this point would say, why didn't you confront him or ask him why he was staring at? In China, if a foreigner and a Chinese person get into an argument or confrontation, they'll always take the Chinese person's side, and even though my girlfriend was Chinese, she and I would be seen as outsiders causing trouble. That's how China is. The vast majority of Chinese are great people, but sadly, a small minority hate foreigners and their country, whether they be white, black, or Arab. I got a great bit of advice from a fellow Westerner when I first came to China, and that was to keep your head down. Anyway, we got off at the final stop, and there's a policeman standing on the platform. This isn't unusual in China, and we stopped right by him, and I just asked him if this was the correct bus station for a stop. We hoped the man with the laundry bag would get off and walk past us, and he did, but stopped, bent down, and started going through the bag. After we'd finished speaking, we had no choice but to walk off, as it would have looked weird hanging around, but to no surprise, me and my girlfriend, as soon as we walked off and were in front of him, he started following us again. The bus was already there, and we got on, but the driver was outside the bus smoking. We were both on and very nervous and scared at this point as he got on as well. It should be known that you have to pay the driver before he lets you on, even when he's outside. He was sitting a few seats down from us, now with a bag between his legs and his arms leaning forward into the aisle. My girlfriend was shaking and red flags were going off in my mind. I had an idea as soon as the driver sat down, we'd leave the bus through the middle doors. That guy had already paid like us, and if he did abruptly leave after us, we knew that he was following us. As the bus's engines started, we got up and held up our hands to the bus driver and got off. We looked back, and he remained seated but looked furious at us, and we could see the guy from a different angle before the door shut. In between his legs, he gripped the handles of a bag and a small knife as well. We got a taxi home after that. My girlfriend, now wife, was pregnant at the time, and we didn't know it, and the three of us no longer live in China. I dread to think what would have happened if we never got off that bus that night. First of all, wow. <laughs> um, I'm glad you guys made it out of that situation. That's terrifying. I, I, I can't even begin to comprehend that. Uh, if you recall from uh, a previous Scary Stories video, I made mention of a, uh, someone who followed me and my wife with a big-ass stick before getting in a car and leaving. I feel like that's kind of like a very toned-down version of what happened to you two. Um, great job, quick thinking on your part about, uh, getting off the bus like that. That was really, really fucking smart. And honestly, I think that may have saved your life possibly, or at least saved you a trip to the hospital, you know? Um, and even the fact that you, you said you didn't know your wife was pregnant at the time, which congratulations on getting married, by the way. Uh, that's horrifying and it, what's even more terrifying is like i can see this happening really anywhere so for some strange strange reason we have a 
issue with accepting others for who they are, you know? We have a big problem in America right now with this same thing, uh, but that's not what this video is about. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for sharing that story. I can't imagine um, having to live through that again to type all this out. I really appreciate that. I, uh, Like I said, I'm glad you guys are safe, and I hope that guy never actually hurt anyone. I hope he's doing all right, you know? Because someone who was willing to stab someone or severely hurt someone in any way just because they are a, a, a foreigner to this country or any other country or anywhere is there's no way that person is mentally sound, in my opinion. I'm not an expert, but I feel like if you have the 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 sheer will to stab someone because they're different you're not mentally sound, in my opinion, <laughs> you know, it's my opinion, I'm not an expert, but as I said, I'm so, so happy you two are okay, um, and again, quick thinking on your part, man, uh, thanks again for submitting that absolutely terrifying story, and thank you again to everyone who submitted their story for tonight's video. It was a lot of fun to jump back into this and read some of your terrible, horrible, horrible? That's not even a word. Terrible, terrifying, horrible, spine-tingling experiences. I tried to get a nice mix of, like, possibly paranormal, possibly stranger danger, possibly this or that, you know? And I think that's what I want to do for later installments as well. Stuff that might just be kind of hard to explain. Stuff that just kind of makes you think about the world, like with uh, the Day of Lions story. It's, um... All the stories were great. And again, I thank you guys so much for sharing them. I'm glad I got to share a couple of my own as well. Uh, if you made it this far into the video, thank you so much. And, um, of course, as always... Leave a comment of your most terrifying experience. It can be paranormal. It can be unexplainable. It can be aliens. It can be stranger danger. Whatever it may be, you can leave a comment down below and let me know all about it. And um, I'll talk about it in an upcoming video of reading your scary stories. This series really needs a better name. Um, but again, thank you again, everyone, for submitting your terrifying experiences and um, thank you to all the patrons and members who support the channel monthly. We had one or two in this video who commented on the previous video. Uh, if you want to support the channel monthly and get videos a day or two in advance, you can click that little join button below this video. It's a dollar a month and it really helps out. If you don't want to do it through YouTube, you can go over to Patreon and pledge a dollar or more a month and get the same perk of getting videos a day or so in advance. Um, again, thank you to everyone who does that. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. It really, really helps out. If you want to grab yourself a hoodie or a t-shirt or anything of the nature, anything of that nature, a mug even, and you can check out the Teespring store, which is right below the video as well. Um, yeah, I think that's it. 
I think I'm I'm done doing the YouTube thing. Uh, if you're new here and you found me through the recommended time, be sure to subscribe. We try to do this at least once a week. And um, yeah, I think that's it. I'm, I'm done doing the YouTuber thing, uh, telling you to subscribe and like the video and all that. But thanks again, everyone, for watching. If you're listening over on Anchor, thank you. I appreciate that. The link to that will be in the description also. Um, if you just want the audio for this video. Uh, okay, I'm going to stop rambling now. <laughs> Thanks again, everyone, for hanging out with me tonight. Take care of yourself and each other. And as always, stay safe out there. <laughs>